0: This is At the Table with Darlene, and we're so glad that you are with us tonight. And we have around this table some really great guests uh, or regulars. Uh, Sitting to my left tonight, we have Chris Norman, which you have had the pleasure of every week for the last few weeks, getting to know him. Chris, we're so glad that you're back tonight. Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: You are. Episode 10, and I've been here since episode 2.
0: I know. That is amazing. Episode 1, we
1: didn't know if I wanted to be here or not, but here I am.
0: Thank you for sticking (laughs) around. I know. That was scary. You just told me a while ago that on the first one, I was banging my bracelets on the
1: table. (laughs) We're just more comfortable at the table now.
0: Yes, we're doing a little better. You're drinking more caffeine, and so things are going well. And we're thankful for that. And it's really good tonight to have uh, Lou Kramer, which is the husband of Tiffany. Your favorite daughter, Tiffany. Which is also my son-in-law and which is also our associate pastor. It is an honor to be here. And we're just really, really glad that you're here, Lou. And we can't wait to talk to you and get to know you a little better. Uh, I know that there's a whole... Group of people out there that are okay. Who could possibly be married to Tiffany, my oh, daughter? that hurts. I wondered Did it. Did you wonder that yeah. one, Chris? And then I met this incredible bearded man. No yeah. truth bombs yeah. at the table.
2: I told you that. No truth bombs <laughs> at the table. Okay, well,
0: we'll try to hold it down tonight. But sitting to my right, and and what a delight you are, Tiffany. And uh, I'm just so proud of you and glad that I am your mama. And this is my Tiffers. I call her Tiffers. Oh, now the world knows. Yeah. I'm happy to be here, though. Yeah, and we have a lot of fun uh, journeying life together. And so we're just really glad that that you are sitting at the table. Maybe you're having uh, a cup of coffee. Join us tonight. We have two that are drinking coffee. Uh, Tiffany would not allow Lou to because... She said that he slurps his coffee. I never noticed that when we were drinking coffee He actually said, I can't drink coffee because I slurp. I sip it. Oh, you sip it. I don't
3: like it But it sounds
0: like, (laughs) like that, something like that. Slightly
3: exaggerated, but
0: yes. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) uh, if you decide you want to, I'm sure the listeners won't mind, because they're probably having a cup of coffee, too, or... There's probably sippers and slurpers. There are sippers and slurpers, yes. And so, anyway, we're glad that you're here. Lou... uh, I'm thank you for coming on tonight, and uh, I will get into this. I really want everyone to get to know you a little bit, and uh, because we can never peel the onion back in one night and find out everything about everyone. But tell us a little bit about your life.
3: Oh, I've I've had an interesting life. Um, I I pretty much go on the on the thing. I, I got a quote from one of my professors in college, and I pretty much turn that into my motto and that, that quote is I may not have gone where I intended to go but I believe I've ended up where I needed to be because um, as we go through life we, That's good. Yeah. we sometimes don't know the whole picture we don't or we have these plans in our head of what we think we want to do and where we think we want to go and then sometimes when life throws us those wrenches we're not really sure what to do and, and we sometimes go into mass chaos because we're not sure where we're going from here and sometimes we forget that, you know, God's got a plan, and He uh, He never leaves us. And sometimes it's all for for the better in the end.
0: Yeah, that that's good. I love that quote. We're going to come back to that quote in a little bit because I think so so many times it reminds me of the scripture that says that the the plans of a man. And you know, it's good to have plans. It, yeah. You know, we've talked about that, and we will many many times. You know, it's good for us to have dreams and visions because. The Word of God tells us to do that, but the bottom line is, is that sometimes it doesn't turn out exactly how we think it will, but then when we end up where we're at, we realize that wow, this was part of the, this was the reason I was taking the journey to yeah. get where I'm at. Uh, tell me how, about your childhood a little bit.
3: Um, my childhood was very diverse. Um, I was actually born in St. Louis. Um, I was there till I was five and that was when life started changing quite abruptly for me. Um, and
0: how how is that?
3: Um, my mom and dad separated when I was five. Um, okay. Being that young, I really had no clue what was going on other than the fact that we then moved to Illinois to live with my aunt and uncle for a while. Um, so we went from St. Louis
2: you are with your mom
3: I, and my brother. I, yeah, I stayed. It was me, my mom, and I have a brother who's about three years older than I am. Um, so um, after my dad left, um, my aunt and uncle invited us to go stay with them for a while in Illinois. So we moved there. We lived there for about a year and a half. Um, and just to kind of get a little bit of the background out of the way, we were in Illinois for a year and a half, moved to Flat River, which is now Park Hills, was there for about a year. Moved in with my grandma for a while. Um, I've lived in Leadwood, Potosi, Frank Clay, Irondale, Farmington, Doerun. Growing up, we we bounced around. We never stayed in one spot more than about a year. Um, So school was hard. I went to five different school districts growing up. So um, to me, moving was just a part of life. Um, so even after growing up and getting getting married, um, any time that we've had to move, um, Tiff's like, oh, we got to move. And I'm like, okay, let's just throw it Here's in the box a and nomad. let's go. <laughs> yeah, yep. no man. You know, you throw it in the box, move it somewhere else and unpack it. <coughs> and so to me, it, it moving's never been that big a deal. but
2: That's um, a big deal. <laughs> I'm here to tell you.
3: Um, I got introduced to God early in life. Um and that's kind of where my story starts. Um, some friends across that lived across the street, um, they were very close with my mom and dad, and we used to go hang out with them all the time. And uh, they invited me to go to vacation Bible school with them when I was about four years old. Oh, wow. So my mom got me ready and put me on the bus, and off we went. And Thank
0: God for the, the van drivers right. and, and the buses. Yeah. sung heroes, for Oh, my sure. goodness, because you hear of that so much, that that first time. And so, yeah. wow, you were a bus kid.
3: Yeah, I, I was the bus kid. Um, That's awesome. And even now I have vague memories, just bits and pieces and glimpses. Um, I just remember the feeling when I was at church. There was something about it that was different that I knew it was drawing me in and I can remember even as a kid I wanted to stay out in the, what they called the big church you know every, you know when you're in kid there's kids church and then there's the big church mm-hmm. and I was just I was mesmerized by the word and when the preacher would would preach and, and teach it was it was just something that was that was drawing me in um, and that was that was when I was about four and then even when vacation Bible school was over, um, I continued to go to church, the the bus my mom would get me up and get me ready and I would go to church every Sunday and until uh, and, and we moved and that kind of pulled me away.
0: So how long was that, how long that period before you, as a child and then when you actually started getting, you know. About a year and a half,
3: about a year to a year and a half um, I was going to church and then um, when my mom and dad separated and when we moved away um, I kind of that was kind of taken away from me. I didn't have the opportunity, you know, and as, and as a kid it was just, you know, I, I, I've become very adaptive in life. I've, I've learned that, you know, things change frequently,
0: especially in my life um, and just different things that were going, going on. And, so when you say things uh, change frequently in your life, uh, give us a little insight to that because you were basically raised by one parent.
3: Yeah, I, I was raised by my mom. Um, my mom was kind of my, my staple growing up, but my mom had a lot of health issues. Um, when I was seven, um, yeah, I believe it was seven, my mom had a major seizure. Um, basically, um, we were having a little bit of a traumatic family episode at, at, at that moment, and I was standing, talking to my mom. She was leaning against a vehicle, and she basically just passed out right in front of me. And I caught her and put her on the ground. And, you know, next thing I know, the ambulance is there and hauling her off. And we're going to live with grandma and grandpa for a while. And um, ever, s- and that kind of started my mom on, on kind of a, some some rocky health. And she's she's had seizures ever since then. Um, seizures, kind of panic attacks. And um, she's just never been able to handle stress real well. But I mean, who really handles it well? Right. Um, you. <laughs> 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 I've 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 learned to be adaptable. Yeah, um,
0: you are very. Right.
3: I've. Thre- you didn't
0: come and, and and you know, from the background that you came from, uh, being successful, you had to make your you had to you've made your own way basically.
3: Definitely. I I I definitely realize how blessed I am. Um, growing up the way I did. Um, like I said, we moved a lot. There was actually three different houses that we had to move out of because they were condemned while we were living them, living in them. Um, you and know, so you
0: knew real poverty.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, I didn't. Um, to me, that was the norm. Right. Mm, uh, you you know, when most people think, oh, you know, those people are so poor, but, you know, when you've lived that your whole life, you don't really realize it. Mm-hmm. My, my mom did such a good job of making sure that that we had the base necessities that we i never realized it growing up um it wasn't until probably middle school um that that it really started dawning on me um but again when you move that frequently you don't really build good solid relationships you know i had friends at school but back at home you know you know wherever we lived it was just kind of shallow relationships with the people that were there um growing up was very hard um i saw lots of things and was put through a lot of things that kids should not be um it was um very frequent the cops were called about every about every weekend there was parties um lots lots of substance abuse but
0: which i think is worth noting and 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 i'm going to say this because there are listeners out there that maybe. You know, maybe there's teenagers, maybe there's young young men, young women that are listening to that and they've grown up in the same kind of situations you have, where it they feel like they're stuck in a life life situation. And so talk about that a little bit and how you made some choices to come out of this.
3: Yeah, like I was saying, I didn't really realize it. And it wasn't until, it was actually a psychology class that I had in, in high school that, that really got me thinking about it, when they started going through society, societal norms. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, not one of their norms were normal to me growing up. Wow. Um, like I said, the, the cops were generally called, there were quite often fist fights in the street, um, guns going off, people getting stabbed, you know, and this is rural America, this was an inner city, you know. The when I lived in St. Louis, the area that I lived was very safe. I remember as kids, we would ride roller skates mm-hmm. and big wheels up and down the street, and everybody right. was safe. But um, growing up through that, you know, um, I remember one time um, there was a there was a fight that broke out, and my, one of my uncles was actually holding the kids behind a bed in the room as someone was throwing gallons of water through the windows of the trailer that we were living in. You know, and that was like I said, that was that was my norm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> people talk about drama. Even maybe that's probably why. Even to this day, I I don't care for drama. i I think I've seen my fair share. But like I was saying, in, when I when they start talking about norms in my psychology class, and they're they're talking about you know these are the kind of people that are usually successful, and nothing that they said <laughs> fit me. But mm-hmm. I I refuse to accept that. Um, and it was it was probably because of everything that was going on as a child school was the one place that was mine Hmm. so I became very focused I loved to read Hmm. as a kid I I read everything I could get my hands on Um, and and I had a grandma that that I know prayed for me and um, when all the other kids were getting, you know, birthday cards with a 5 or a $10 bill in it, my grandma was buying me a subscription to Reader's Digest um, because, oh, <laughs> because so cool. she, she knew I liked to read. And, yeah. um, I, I used to always kid the family that I was going to grow up and be the lawyer for the family because we needed one. Well, they
2: needed <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: one. And then then as, as life started taking a different turn and i started getting involved in the ministry my grandma was quick to tell me she said okay a preacher's good we need one of those two um
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you have been that for your family for sure talk about a little bit
2: though about um just finishing high school and how that was quite an unusual thing for your family
3: yeah i was um in in the history of, of of my family um, that that I know of, and again, it, at this time, I really didn't know anything about my father's side of the family. Um, I did end up going for visitation, visiting with my father um, every other weekend and every other week during the summer. Mm-hmm. You know that's how it goes. Um, when I was probably from about 12 to about 15 or 16, um, but I started getting involved in sports, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, because that became a very helpful thing in my life but um my relationship with my dad was always rocky so by the time i got to to high school um i was kind of put in an awkward situation um i was one of those nerds i I was the textbook uh, nerd i had the big thick Coke bottle glasses.
1: Are you are you um, serious? Chris? He's explaining his life. Mine was very similar. <laughs> are you so serious? Yeah. It, like uh, in, in
3: fifth grade it got so bad that I was sitting in the front row and couldn't read the chalkboard anymore. Um, so I remember the teacher had actually um, scheduled a meeting with my mom to come to school and was like we, we, we need to get him some some help. So I started wearing glasses then. Um so yeah, I was I was the nerd. I loved school. I made straight A's. Never studied a day in my life. Just didn't. So um, going going and preparing to get ready for college, I never really thought about it. Um, be, because of the sports and, and the way that that had turned, you know, growing up in, in a rough neighborhood um, and also having an, an older brother, um, we played a lot of sports. We played a lot of backyard ball. So okay. I'm I was used to getting beat up and thrown around because I was always the little guy. Um, so I was always the one that was, you know, getting the brunt of things. So when I got to middle school and they started talking about football and they started talking about giving us pads, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I got protection.
1: That's so
3: th- th- that was a whole new ball game. And and later on when I grew up, my, my coaches told me um, as a, after I was an adult, they said we were just amazed by you. You were the littlest kid on the team, and you just run in front of the biggest kid and just stand there and get hit and get right back up and do it again like well thank you to my brother
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that that shows you though that it, it doesn't matter where you come from that you can make choices and somewhere along the way i believe that everybody has that ping yeah of something that says it can be different but it's a lot of work
3: yeah um sports kind of became my outlet um at that time i i and and growing up with my mom having a lot of health issues and i remember um going to babysitters my mom tried so hard to find a job you know we would go to to a sitter while my mom would go to job interviews but she she couldn't drive because she had seizures and no one would hire and and we were just we were we were just stuck in the system Mm -hmm. and and there was just nothing we could do so so when it, when it came time for, for school at the time, we were living pretty close to school, so I walked. And in gym class in school, we were having, there was a, we're, you know, you cover all these different things in gym class, well so we got to wrestling. And I later found out that, the high, that my coach in middle school was the high school wrestling coach. So we spent a good long time on wrestling. and Then we had a tournament before school. Well, I lived by the school, so I participated in the tournament and actually won.
1: Oh, that's cool.
3: And and there was a gentleman there that that came to me and said, "You need to come to wrestling practice." I'm like, "I just like I can't. I, I don't have a way." And he's like, "You just you don't worry about that." Um, and this was that was actually my introduction into the Kraus family. Yeah. Um, it, it's a family here in town that that, that took me in yes, and they, did. they be, um, that whole family became mentors to me.
1: They invested in you. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, Papa Kraus, um, Jim Kraus, and his wife Sue—they were—they were excellent. They, not once, was there ever any judgment, and ever, everyone was welcome with them. And they would pick me up twice a week, every week. Them, and there was another one of the coaches that would always pick me up. Um, you know, being as naive as I was, I didn't know that there was fees that were that you were supposed to pay um, to be able to participate in the tournaments because they paid them for me and and they were just really good and that became my outlet um which i r- desperately needed because um, i remember i started having really bad stomach problems and i was actually diagnosed with an ulcer um, In at mid- what age it, uh, i was in middle school so probably 12 13. and i remember the doctor came in and he's like kid you got to stop worrying he said what do you have to worry about <laughs> through my head, I'm just you thinking, no dude, if you had any clue <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what my home life was was like. Because at that time, my mom was in a relationship um, with a guy who, who verbally abused her. And he was not shy about doing it in front of me and my brother,
1: mm-hmm.
3: which, which was really hard growing up. And, you know, we just kind of hid in our rooms when that happened. Um, and, you know, I can actually remember as a kid, you know, praying just to let mom live through the night. You know, hearing things break and shatter against the wall, and it's like, okay, God. <laughs> and then uh, it was actually a, f- a friend of mine um, invited me um, to go to church. So I started going to church um, for a while, and uh, one of the kids that was at church was was doing homework, and I recognized the homework, and I and, I re- and then it dawned on me the kid was in my class. <laughs> I was like, oh. Like, you need help with your homework? <laughs> because, you know, I was the nerd. So I started helping with his homework and come to find out he lived right down the street from me. And he eventually became my best friend. And I probably lived at his house more than I lived at mine.
2: Which, ironically enough, was exactly across the street from my house. Oh, that's cool. And, but we, it, it, there was no, none of that. We were. I was really good friends with his best friend. Um, but I met him through through our mutual friends and youth and yeah. mm-hmm.
0: went to church together how stuff. old were you when you first started coming to to church
3: i was probably about 14 or 15 probably about 14 when i started coming um
2: well you you met me at my 16th birthday so you
0: probably to, were yeah that's right probably 15. yeah
3: because i was actually going to a Different church in yeah. Farmington for a couple of years. So yeah. about
0: fifteen or sixteen. You yeah. Know, when you first came to Solid yeah. Rock, I think what I what I love that I that I'm hearing here is is I mean I'm loving a lot of it, and I've heard part of, you know of your story throughout life. But I, I'm thinking of listeners that are sitting out here and, and thinking, you know, about your story, and, and it, I'm thinking of the people that maybe life is better than what your life was. But be- and it's just such an example to us. To say to be sensitive to those that are around you, mm-hmm. because people around you made the difference in your life. Yes, uh, the family that just took you in and, and
1: invested in you. They yeah, did. And yeah, and
3: his his one of his sons was actually my high school wrestling coach. That's cool. Um, was even was even in my wedding. Um, my wedding too. Yeah, it's yeah. So cool. With both your weddings, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. That is that is really amazing, so isn't it? That yeah. that it ended but, up uh, being in their
3: wedding. Yeah. As I was going through, um, my only goal up to that point was I was planning on joining the Marines. Um, that was I didn't really have any plans after that. I was going to wrestle for the Marines. Um, you know, I was thinking, okay, could I end up at West Point? Um, again, I straight A student. I was a state scholar athlete. I placed at the state tournament while maintaining a a four, uh, like a 3.9 GPA um, so that was my goal and then all of that changed um, my junior year um, I, was in a, I was playing in a football game and um, someone hit me from the side and my knee got bent sideways
1: oh.
3: um, the following week I had knee surgery and had two steel screws put in my knee mm. and at that point the Marines were gone yeah. and I had no backup plan I had no idea what I was going to do. So
0: what was the quote that you said while ago?
3: Um, I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I believe I've ended up where I needed to be. Wow.
0: That's so good because, you know, you were going and to the Marines and then, then you have this accident yeah. in, in doing something that you loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And at that point, um, our guidance counselor at school was fresh out of college. So it was her first year, was my senior year. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where to go, what to do. And it was actually my wrestling coach um, had had set me up some interviews with a couple of different schools. Um, so I ended up spending my freshman year of college. I graduated high school. I was the first person in the history of my family to graduate high school.
1: Not even your brother? You
3: no, know, my, my brother. Some people in life and... Um, I've I've come to realize realize this. Some people, school, and and don't criticize me too much. Some people in life, school is not the best option for. Right. Um, mm-hmm. My brother struggled with school, mm-hmm. but my brother had an uncanny street smart about him. Right. Um, when it comes to working nice. on stuff, mm-hmm. um, he, he could work on cars. I guess him he, he taught me how to basically build bicycles right and he was he was really good with his hands and he was a great worker mm-hmm. um so what he did was at 16 he quit school and started working with my mm-hmm. uncle roofing yeah yeah, and made a pretty good living doing it yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: um awesome. did very well with that um me i i was my grandma I, back to my grandma my grandma always told me she said you've been blessed you need to work smarter not harder right yeah, yeah. so i was trying to figure out what i needed to do with that and like i said I was at that point with the Marines out of the picture out. The only thing I could think of was, um, I was math was my favorite subject. So I wanted to get into teaching and coaching wow. because so many people had imparted into my life that I wanted to be someone who can impart into others because, you know, it was something about seeing kids and seeing the potential in them mm-hmm. that other people might not see. Mm-hmm. Um, cause people had given me a chance growing up. Um, and and even with even with ministry, I remember um, coming to pastor at about you know probably about seventeen. I'd been coming to church at this church mm-hmm. for about a year, and I just said, you know, where can I be used? I said, I want to do something. I want. I want. Where? What can I do? And he uh, walked me over to the head usher and said, this gentleman is going to help you. So they gave me a book to read. So I read it, brought it back, he quizzed me on it. Gave me another book to read. Brought it back, quizzed me on it, gave me another book to read. And I'm thinking, okay, when do I get to do something? <laughs> All right. Brought that back, gave me a fourth book to read. <laughs> and, and I learned that there's, you know, yes, there's there's zeal for stuff, to have zeal and passion for something. But, you know, I now I look back and see that they were preparing for for something the the books that he was giving me were on ministry and on serving and how to have the heart of a servant what the heart of a servant meant mm-hmm. so as I went through there I actually became an usher at, at 17 and and basically all the way up in, until I left for college I worked with the ushering team at church um, was it um, actually Tiff and I were both youth leaders in the ministry kind of student, youth mm-hmm. leaders in the ministry That's true.
0: for right. several years Yeah, and oh, then uh, you went you went from that to you were un, you know you were student uh, leaders and mm-hmm. then you ended up uh, a, as leaders after you both had gone to college and right. after you were married and, and so you kind of just continued in uh, leadership uh, positions no matter what you were going to do. Yeah. Uh, There was that uh, drive within you to, and that gifting within you to to be whatever it was that God wanted you to be, because from where you came to where God is bringing you and has brought you and is bringing you into, it is nothing short of miraculous. But there are so many people out there that those stories relate, and I I heard you say while ago, Chris, that your your story was very similar. To, to lose would you like to share a little bit with us and, and a little uh with with the I mean thankfully listening. I
1: didn't have to suffer through quite a broken experience like that but my parents divorced when I was two and or three and um I didn't find out till later but my dad went to the army and decided he was going to be a homosexual and got involved in the drugs and all kinds of stuff so it was just me and my mom for a long time until she met my stepdad, and really my stepdad was that person that invested in me. Um, but, you know, one of the big things that I got from your story and that I feel is similar to mine is, I mean, you have all this opposition and all these things that face you, but you have to find those things in yourself that, that make you want to drive forward. And, you know, that's one of the things I'm curious to you. What, what was that thing on the inside of you that kept you that kept the light on the inside of you, like kept you constantly striving and not taking that negative attitude that you could have taken? Because you could have taken a horribly negative attitude towards I have an
2: input on that question (laughs) because um, I've been married to this man for 22 years. And so um, what I know of him and what he has said, and I I thought he might say it, but he has a lot of story to tell, so obviously he can't tell everything. But um, he has told me several times that He looked around the people that were in his life on a daily basis, and he saw in a lot of bad situations how they were being treated, how the men treated the women, and and so on and so forth. And he made a decision at a very, very, very young age, I'm not going to be like that. That's not the choice that I'm going to make. And I Mm -hmm. think that he has always made that choice
3: yeah I can remember as a kid you know Mm -hmm. with a with a kid when the little kids are running around playing the you know the guys are off doing the guy thing and then the you know they don't want the little kids around so the kids are around all the Mm -hmm. women well I could always I always remember I always used to listen because I always I learned very early that you can learn a whole lot more by listening (laughs) right so I would always listen and I would listen to the women talk about the different things that they didn't like about their men and how they wish that they were treated Mm -hmm. so i can remember even i was probably seven to nine and i can remember making a firm decision and sticking with it that i will not be like those men but i will be better right that i will Mm -hmm. that i will never do those Mm -hmm. things and it it was very interesting i (laughs) the first several years we were married um she would get mad at me because I refused to argue. Yeah. I just, I would not that do it. That could be maddening. Yeah. I <laughs> was um, a fusser. I, I did, and any... Says a any, fusser. yeah, Says, a, says
0: a fusser. That's it, very hard when it, somebody won't argue back. Yeah.
3: Any man who's listening, never say this. Never ask your wife if she's finished yet when yeah. she's arguing.
0: Oh, yeah. God,
3: I did that once.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you must, you, tell us more. Yeah, what yeah. happens? Dude. That cat in the bathtub.
3: <laughs> Round <laughs> two.
2: Yeah. Round two, what happened? <laughs> I just sat there. He just would not argue with me. Like we've no, I don't think we've had we've never had a huge knockdown we that's just not what we do because I'm the one who gets worked up and he's just like
3: because most of what I seen growing up, arguments turned into fist fights, yeah. right. mm-hmm. and it didn't matter whether you were male, female, kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you I've know. never
2: met a more gentle man in my life, and that is, that is the most truthful mm-hmm. statement that I could ever say. He he is the most giving, gentle, loyal man that I've ever met. In my life. Yeah. And I happen to, to be blessed enough to. Yeah. And I agree him.
0: because he's very even, you know, even uh, tempered, very even very, in, very. in his everyday life. And, and I just, I love what he said. He studied, boy, if, if you know, he studied people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we all have the opportunity to, to, to do is, is, you know, we have a choice of do we want to be like this or do we want to be like that mm-hmm. because it's all around us in life. And, and I think we all have to make those choices of, you know, look at examples around us. Who who do we want to pattern our life mm-hmm. at? After you might not have known at that time what you want to pattern your life after, but you knew what you, you knew did what not didn't want, want
1: to. Yeah. Right. And it made you a peacekeeper. And, that, and that's one of the things that Such I've taken away from my childhood as well is I didn't want, I wanted to be a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's things that me and my wife have, have gotten into arguments about so I'm constantly wanting to, let's look at the positive in this, let's figure out the best part of this, mm-hmm. let's... I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about the negative. I don't want to hear the negative. I don't want to well, see I the agree. negative. This that is, is all so I want. It's because I had to see so much negative yeah. growing up, and I and I see the same thing in you. It's like you don't want to yeah. see that negative anymore. Yeah. You, you fought through it, so now it's like let's yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I yeah. even have so I have good. a hard
3: time, and I guess it's just part of the spirit in me. I have trouble watching people struggle. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it 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 even on TV. Me. I I. It, it annoys her and it bothers her sometimes. <laughs>
2: he turns his
3: head. I even watching TV, even if it's a show that I've seen before, if I know something bad is going to happen, or if he I will, know someone's... you will literally cover his face. <laughs> if <laughs> I make know, just
2: pretend, honey.
3: Even if I in a, if I just see that someone is going to be put in an awkward position, yeah. I have compassion for them and empathy. He does, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it's just a show, and it's yeah. like, yeah.
2: <sighs> yeah. That, and but, also, I'll say one more so thing good. about Lou in his I I feel he's he's reached greatness in my eyes of course right but he has always he's never been a person I've never heard him say I want to be the best at this I want to be the best that's never been his goal and I don't think that that's I think that a lot of male figures may strive for perfection you know sports and stuff like that but in, in Lou's life what I've seen watching him is that he always just wants to be better than where he is right now mm-hmm. he's always striving mm-hmm. for more always striving for better
3: there's there's actually a story behind that um, my, my senior year um, I missed my entire year of, of junior year of wrestling um, because of the the knee injury that I had because I had surgery and wrestling was was that became my escape mm-hmm. that was all of my focus all of my drive was put into that and and I was always the underdog because I was the little scrawny kid. So you know I can even remember being in the locker room for weigh-ins. You know we mm-hmm. we'd wrestle with, you know these kids from Jackson and Sykeston and Saint Jen, and they'd be these little buff guys, you know all muscular, and they'd look at me and I'd hear them laughing at me while I'm weighing in because I was just this little skinny scrawny kid. But yet we'd get out on the mat and I kick their butt. It's wiry. Um, yeah. my my in my senior year I, I finished my year with a record of 37 and three. Um total my three losses um my total lost points was probably less than 10. um but my at the state tournament um i lost my last match in high school and it was um to my recollection it, it was a bad call by an umpire but regardless of what it was i lost and i can remember being so traumatized because i had fought so hard for so long to be the best mm-hmm. and um, I remember coming off the mat um, the assistant coach's wife was a reporter mm-hmm. and I just remember I asked I said can I get a pen and a paper and I, I went found an empty stairwell somewhere and and I wrote this article this full page document and it, and it was a it was a and the whole focus of that is what do you do when you've worked the hardest, what do you do when you've done everything that you can do and you still don't win? Right. And, and it was a realization for me at that point in life that you just get up and keep going.
1: Right.
3: Regardless That's of so what's good. happened, even though yes. I didn't win, I was still a champion for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I
3: accomplished the very best that I could, and that was okay. Right. And I had to, and I had to be okay with that. There's so many people and I and I saw so many so many fathers going through re- wrestling's a tough sport and and some of the fathers I would see fathers yell at their kids I mean and and be cussing at their kids because their kids would lose a match and the kid was doing the best he could
1: mm-hmm.
3: and 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 it I'm like you know this this is this is the best that that I was at that particular time anybody on any given day can lose mm-hmm so everybody has a bad day sometimes, right. and, and that stuck with me that, you know, that that was my best. So my best is good enough
0: for yeah. me. Mm-hmm.
2: There yeah. you go. Your best is not always what everyone else might see as the best, mm-hmm. but as long as you're striving for your best, then you're, then you're winning. And
0: yeah. it takes pressure off of us as human beings. Yeah. You know, because when we know that we are, are doing the best that we can for today. You know we're doing the best striving you know we're only you know we're the only perfect person was Jesus and you know he's uh, one of the thoughts that I had and uh, was uh, I've been thinking about perfection Mm -hmm. you know him perfecting things in us and he is constantly perfecting things in us and I think as we go through life and like you said it doesn't always turn out the way we thought Mm -hmm. you know uh god saw the overall plan but but our journey was necessary for us uh because it's made you who you are today it's made you the person that you are in adverse situations you made choices as a child and that's very important you know the uh, teenagers that maybe you happen to listen to this program i hope you did or young adults uh, it is so important that we make good choices. And senior <laughs> citizens, I don't care what age you are, you can make a choice today. If you're still living and breathing, right. you can make a choice to, to let those things inside of you be perfected on a day-by-day. We didn't say be perfect on a day-by-day. We said, you know, give it your best. Yeah. And if you're if you're not giving it your best, then there's room to work here. And there's room to work anyway, but I'm just saying that that sometimes we're just you know this is just the way I am. This is it. You know, take it right. or leave it. This is how I see things. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I am, and, and that is not the best for us because constantly you know there's those changes that will make us into people that that we can say you know I know that I've given it my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's, gonna that's be the environment enough. that
2: you grew up in uh, to a a very large extent is it is what it is this is our life this is how we're going to live this is how it's always going to be we're never Mm -hmm. going to have a gallon of milk in the fridge we're only going to have powdered milk right he hadn't had powdered milk anything but Mm -hmm. powdered milk oh yeah the man like i've never had
0: powdered milk what in the world is powdered milk and he's like i remember that as a child there was a line to a a
3: song that that has stuck with me and there's so much truth in it that i believe so many people don't understand and i can't remember the name of the group but uh the the word the particular phrase in the song says you've never had the joy of a welfare christmas Mm. yeah Mm. and people don't understand um christmas for me growing up was not a great time right um my family we didn't have extended family get-togethers like i said my mom didn't drive Mm -hmm. so if we ever did anything it was usually my grandpa coming and picking us up to go grocery shopping right um and, you know, Christmas for us was school clothes. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, and that was mom putting back for however long she could to get a school she clothes. She
0: probably put it in layaway. That's what my mom did. Almost yeah. yeah. always. Put it in layaway, and they paid down. something every week on it until they could get it out or whatever, so, yeah. And then
3: you go back to school, and everybody's like, oh, what'd you get for Christmas?
0: Mm-hmm. Clothes. I remember those days. And yes. it's like,
3: <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this is it. So I, I can remember, um, like I said, the I made a friend who lived down the street and. That, that first Christmas, his parents bought me presents, and I was so floored. I, I, I didn't know what to say, and I'm like, it was totally foreign to me. Right. And and that that's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I, I always knew that I wanted to be a giver. I wanted to be the person that made a difference in someone mm-hmm. else's life because so many people made a difference in my life. Right. Um, and I was actually given that opportunity. Um, I was actually... Um, when we first moved back to Farmington, um, I got to coach yeah. for a couple of years. I coached the freshman wrestling team for a couple of years and was able to impart that into. I had some kids that were going through some some rough times and, uh, you know, able to encourage them. And, and sometimes
1: it's hard to notice those things unless you've been where they're mm-hmm. at and you see That's the behaviors point. that they're doing and you can look back and be like, I see it. I yeah. see what you're going through. You and have empathy. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And to pick up on those things.
3: Yeah. And I I can remember several times, even in college, um, and Tiff has told me I've shared some experiences with her, and she's like, well, yeah. But I can remember several people in high school and in college giving me, you know, there's always the suicide prevention things. Right. And I guess they, they knew where I come from, so I was always, every time those would float around, I would get them. I'm like, What's the I'm am I that bad? <laughs> <laughs> but and that that was never an option for me because for me that was the easy way out and you're going to fight it out. And yeah. I was going to fight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. regardless because like I said knowing just going to church that little bit I did as a kid and then getting plugged back in, I knew that there was something there was there was someone out there who had who had my back, and that was mm-hmm. that was Jesus, mm-hmm. and I knew that He had paid a price for me, and that He loved me regardless, mm-hmm. right. and that regardless stuck with me, right. because it didn't matter where I yeah. come from, it didn't Amen. matter what I'd done, it didn't matter what my past or what everyone else, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that was the thing is I never had the shame, right. yeah, you know, and and I've seen kids and even even adults who carry that shame with mm-hmm. them, and I do my best to try to let them know that. You just you don't have to carry that. Right. You don't have mm-hmm. to have that right. because there's a God that took that yeah. all away.
0: Yeah. I just I just believe that there's people that are listening to this broadcast and we're getting ready to uh, to wind it down here. That that you've been listening and I, I just pray that that the spirit of fight would get upon you and ask ask the Lord to help you to see past where you're at right now and, and get that fight in you. Uh, that you can know that God's got a good plan for you. Yeah. And it comes with decisions. Yeah. It comes with determination. Because if you'd ever given in, ever once given in to your situation. It could have been a statistic. would. You would have been. Yeah. It's I, re- I refused. Yes. Yeah. I,
3: especially after I started hearing that like my psychology yeah. classes, I refused to be a statistic.
0: And you are not, my <laughs> love. And you are not. And, you know, the great thing is those that are listening, can say, you know what? My life around me is not good, yeah. but I refuse to think that this is all that there is to life because obviously there's more. Mm-hmm. And and if someone can come from the situations that you, you have come from and, and uh, be triumphant in your walk every day, you know, uh, I, I, I love your attitude uh, about the house of God. I love your attitude about life and and I love the way you treat my daughter. It's beautiful, and, and she is a princess, and we all know that. And uh, but you did that, and so I thank you for that. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're gonna pray, uh, and uh, I'm gonna ask Lou if you would uh, pray for those that are listening today, that they would make some decisions uh, in this in this podcast. They're just making a decision. They heard something from you today that is going to change their life. And so would you pray? Yes.
3: Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have just to share with with all of those who are listening. Father, I pray that you help people to realize who you created them to be and that who they are is important and that they do matter and that they can make a difference, that regardless of what situation or circumstance they were born to, regardless what card they've been dealt in life. Father, You have a plan and a purpose, and it can get better, and it will get better that they can fight through it, that they don't have to give up, but they can continue to look look forward, look to You. Father, even when everyone else is turning their back, they know that You will never leave them and never forsake them, just like Your Word says. Father, I pray that You just be with them and give them strength and courage and someone to put in their lives. I pray that people will just speak in their lives, Father, to encourage them and to let them know who they are and that they are important to you. Father, we ask that you just minister to all those who are listening. We thank you, Father, for for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. And until the next time we meet around the table, may the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Hi, this is Christy with At the Table with Darlene. We hope you were able to glean from our table today as we shared our hearts and thoughts. We would like to invite you to take some time to check out our website and get a closer look at what Darlene is doing. You can find out information about her book, The Miracle of the Breaking, see what upcoming events she has planned, and consider being a partner with Women Around the World Ministries at womenaroundtheworldministries.org.